This series, The Power of Together, is really meant to help us to understand the importance of us being together as brothers and sisters in Christ and how uh, we are strengthened when we come together. It's the power of together. And so we've talked about studying God's Word together. We've talked about trusting God together. We've talked about uh, the importance of worshiping God together. And now this morning we're going to talk about the importance of praying uh, together. Some of you will recognize a picture that I want to be put up here. Uh, uh, that, it, that picture there was of a Blackberry in 2009. And in 2009, that Blackberry was the largest, uh, the, the most sold smartphone device in America. And as you can see, it has a little keyboard, actually little buttons like on a, on a uh, keyboard on a computer. And the main thing that you could do was you could send and receive emails on this uh, BlackBerry. And it was so popular because it fit in your pocket. And so this little device would, uh, would fit in your pocket and you could, do, uh, you could basically do email on it. And in 2009, BlackBerry accounted for nearly half of the U.S. Uh, smartphone market. But in 2014, its market share had plummeted to less than 1%. In five years, it had gone from 50% to less than 1%. Now, how did they fall so badly in such a short amount of time? Well, it's because the, executive at, the executives at BlackBerry did not understand what people wanted in a smartphone. The executives thought that uh, the iPhone and all that it could offer was too much and that it would never catch on. Uh, the iPhone was basically a computer in your pocket. And they said, no, people will never want to push on their screen. They actually want buttons, like on a computer. And they don't want all this other stuff. All they want to do is be able to check their uh, email. And so it was a huge misunderstanding of what people wanted that caused them to miss a golden opportunity. And as I've studied Jesus' teaching on salvation, I've come to the conclusion that we as Christians are missing a golden opportunity right in front of us because we have a big misunderstanding. And so I want to lay out this misunderstanding before us this morning. And as I uh, do that, I'm going to give us some basic principles. First of all, a couple points that we could all easily agree on. And then the third point is the big misunderstanding that is keeping us from our golden opportunity. Now, all three of these points have to do with uh, salvation and forgiveness and sin and being released from Satan's camp and brought into the family of God. Point number one is this, that only God can forgive sins and save people. That's an obvious one, right? We would all readily agree to that. Uh, at least uh, if we have received Jesus, we recognize we can't do it on our own. It is only God who can save us, and that's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. That's point number one. Now, point number two is also, I don't think any controversy here. Each of us are to pray and to witness. 
We're to pray for those that don't know Jesus and, and share the gospel with them. And God loves to hear those prayers and answer those prayers. That's, that's point number two. I, I think, again, no controversy here, no misunderstanding so far. Now, here's point three. This is where I want us to focus on this morning because here, I think, is our misunderstanding that is leading to us to missing our golden opportunity. Point number three is that we together are to be instruments of binding and loosing spiritual forces. Now, that's a, that's a big one. And, uh, and you might even really that, re- read that and think, I have no idea what that means. And uh, that's okay. That's what this sermon is about. Because we don't understand that. That's, that's, that's our problem. That's, that's like uh, why we may not be experiencing all that God has for us. We're like Blackberry executives that don't understand the, timing, the time that we're living in, and so we miss out on the opportunities that are before us. And so we're going to talk about what are these spiritual forces, and how are they bound, and how are they loosed, and how are we instruments in that process. Now, I recognize we're, we're going to dive into some deeper water today than maybe we are used to going on Sunday morning. We're going to get into some stuff, and I recognize not all of this is easily understood. And so my prayer is that God would be our teacher and that God would give us understanding. But I really believe that if we are able to grasp this, we are going to be excited about what God has to show us. This is our golden opportunity. Now, this idea of binding and loosing is most clearly taught about in Matthew 18, and I'm going to read verses 18 through 20, and I'll just make a couple observations as we go. Matthew 18, starting in verse 18. (coughs) These are Jesus' words. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So he's saying, this is your responsibility. He's speaking to the disciples, followers of Jesus. And he's, and he's, uh, he's offering a great weighty word, uh, a, a, a weighty um, teaching. He says, whatever you do on earth, that's exactly what will be done in heaven. Like this is the... This is the weightiness of the responsibility that I'm trying to impress upon us today. That this is our task. We bind and we loose, and whatever is done on earth will then be done in heaven. And he goes on to say, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And so he's impressing upon us the importance of this task that is going to be done in, by our Father in heaven, and it's, and it's a task that is approached through prayer. Anything we ask for, whatever we agree upon. And then he says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And so this is a passage about binding and loosing spiritual forces, and it's a passage about praying, but it's not just a prayer individually, It's a prayer together. This sermon is about the power of praying together. You see, Jesus emphasizes a couple points. It says, where two of you on earth agree on anything, where two or three gather in my name. 
And so it's the idea that we come together and pray. And when we do, there is a power that is released from heaven. What is done on earth, is the power is released, it's done in heaven, and it's going to bind and loose spiritual forces. So that's the passage for today. And now again, as I said, some of this is hard to understand, so let's go before the Lord one more time in prayer and ask him to be our teacher. Father God, I pray that as we look at this uh, weighty passage, that you would give us understanding. God, we come before you and we pray that Jesus now would come and speak to us and impress these things upon our hearts that we might receive your word, that we might be touched and moved and be able to uh, live out the truth that you have given us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, just to help us get our minds around the idea of binding and loosing, I tried to think of a physical example. The best example I can come up with is right here, this belt, okay? This, uh, this is something we can all relate to because uh, we might wear a belt every day of the week, and, and when we, we bind this belt... When we want our pants not to fall down, we tighten it until uh, we, we feel it's secure. But then when we want to take our pants off, we loosen it and we take it off. And in the same way, uh, when we speak of spiritual forces, we are binding and we are loosing. There are some things that we want to loosen, we want to let go of and cast off. And then there are some things we want to tighten around us tighten in our lives so that we can hold on to those things and they're attached to our lives. And so we're going to release spiritual strongholds. Uh, we're going to release the things of evil and of Satan and we're going to embrace, we're going to bind to us the things of God and the blessings of God. And as I said here, this is a together activity. Jesus has emphasized where he says, where two of you on earth agree. And where he says, where two or three gather together in my name. This is an activity uh, that we do in community with others. The binding and the loosing uh, forces are done together. Part of the reason I think that we uh, oftentimes don't experience more victory over sin and more uh, people coming to faith in Jesus Christ is because we have not uh, grasped this teaching of binding and loosing. We live in a very individualistic culture that teaches us to just do it ourselves, you know, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, dig our heels in and fight with our own ambition and our own uh, strength, and it leaks into the church where we think that uh, it is all dependent upon ourselves, or even we look to God, but we pray on our own, and I think we're missing our golden opportunity. You see, Jesus is speaking here of uh, spiritual forces that are going to be released, but it's done in prayer together. And so I want to present this to us today so that we can begin to understand what Jesus is say, uh, saying here and embrace his teaching. The language that Jesus uses here of binding and loosing and then of two and three gathering together is really legal language. When we talk about uh, salvation, we're talking uh, the legal aspect of salvation is justification. 
that someone who is guilty has now been declared righteous because of their faith in God. All of this is legal language. Binding and loosing is like binding a prisoner, holding them captive. Loosing a prisoner would be like releasing them uh, and they have their freedom. And even the idea of two or three testifying would have immediately reminded first century hearers of the Old Testament law that stated no one could be convicted of a crime unless there were two or three witnesses. So all of this is legal language of salvation, of being released as a prisoner to sin and of Satan and being set free to uh, live in freedom in Christ. And how does all of that happen? When we think of this legal language, uh, I uh, think of what happens in a courtroom. Uh, How many of you have ever served on a jury? Uh, A lot of you have. Uh, I've served on a couple juries. I used to try to get out of it. I used to come in and they say, any, uh, uh, you know, they go around the room and they interview the, juror, the potential jurors. And, and I always, I never did this, but I always thought, they ask you your occupation. I'm a fundamentalist Baptist preacher. I always thought I should say that. That'd probably get me out of jury duty. But I, ne- I never did that. And, uh, and so I have uh, served on a couple juries. And some of them get qu- quite interesting, right? I served on a jury that went like a week and a half and they had all kinds of testimonies. All kinds of witnesses, I should say. And uh, they had expert witnesses, they had eyewitnesses, they had character witnesses, and it's one after another. And the stronger the witness, the stronger the case. The lawyers, the attorneys are, are building their case using the witnesses. Now, when we uh, come together in prayer, this is like what we're doing before God. We're coming together, we're grabbing another person, we're saying, hey, let's go before the Lord, and, uh, and we're pleading before God as the judge. And the stronger that we make the case with one another, the, uh, the more inclined that God is to answer that prayer. This is the idea of two and three witnesses together coming before the Lord. And God considers us expert witnesses because we are his children and we know all about salvation. And so we come before him with with boldness, speaking with authority. Now, I've gone to court for another reason, too. And I, I went to court because I tried to get out of a crime that I had committed. Okay, now, before you get too excited, it wasn't anything major. It was a traffic ticket. Uh, but I honestly thought I was innocent. I got pulled over because I didn't get in the turn lane soon enough. And this cop, he was way back. There's no way. I still think I'm innocent. Uh, I still get ticked off about it when I think about it. But I was so convinced that I was innocent, I went to the court and I was going to defend myself. I was going to tell, him, tell the judge, this guy was like two blocks away when he saw, and I, and I pulled in, I checked my mirror, I didn't cut anyone off. I was innocent, I'm, I was going to make my case. I sat in the courtroom, and there was like 50 other people that were there to try to get out of their ticket too. And uh, one after another came up before the judge And the judge would listen for like 60 seconds max. And then he'd say, okay, and what does the police officer say? Okay, the police, uh, and I forget all the legal language, but he would side with the police officer every time. I got up and I presented my case. I thought, surely I'll be the one that gets away with it because my case is rock solid. 
He cuts me off after like uh, halfway through my first point. I got like five, five points. I'm a preacher. I got five good points. He cuts me off partway through point one. He listens to the police officer, and then he says my ticket stands and I'm guilty. And I'm ticked off about it. But here's the point that I want to make. When we come before Jesus, when we become before God and he is the judge, it says that where two or three gather in his name, Jesus is there with him. You see, Jesus is the police officer. And the, and the judge is never going to go against the testimony of the police officer. By the end of that day in court, everybody was getting ticked off. There was people that were yelling at the judge, what is this? You don't ever side with anyone else but the, but the law enforcement. And that's the case with God. He never will side apart uh, against his son. And this is what gives us such power to go before the Lord uh, in, in prayer because we come together two or three and Jesus joins in with us. He's the star witness. And, and uh, Jesus will make the case agreeing with us in our behalf. He comes before the Father and he begins to intercede for whatever we are praying for. And God sides with his Son every single time. You see, there is power in praying together. This is what we are talking about here. Now in the verses just preceding, uh, these verses are on binding and loosing. Jesus goes through a teaching that if you've been in church, you might have heard, of, uh, heard about before. It's the idea of church discipline. That's what we oftentimes call it. It says if you catch a brother or a sister in sin, go first to them privately and uh, confront them. And uh, hopefully that in itself will lead the brother to, or the sister to repent and turn to God. Now if you do that and they do not repent individually, then take two or three others with you. There's the idea of witnesses again. It strengthens our case. And if they still refuse to repent, then bring them before the whole church. And I'm not going to get into all of that in detail, but I do want to just uh, look at verse 17. But if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they uh, refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan, or a tax collector. Okay, here's, like I said, I don't want to get into this in too much detail. Here's the point I'm trying to make is, in context, when this verse is given about binding and loosing, what it's talking about is judgment in terms of who's in and who's out of the family of God. He says, if a person refuses to repent, treat them as a pagan or a tax collector. Treat them as if they are not in the family of God, like they're an outsider. And ultimately, what it's talking about here is repentance and forgiveness and victory over sin. That's the context. That's what we're talking about when we talk about binding and loosing. We're coming before God and we're pleading before God for ourselves or for those that we know and love, that they would be brought into the kingdom of God, that they would be brought into the family of God, that their sins would be forgiven, that, that they would repent, and that they would have victory over sin. These are the type of things that he is talking about. In a sense, what God is doing is, as our responsibility, he's given us the keys to the kingdom. 
Like we've got a major responsibility here. We've we got keys to the kingdom. We, we start the car, we shut it off. We have responsibility. Jesus said to the Peter in Matthew 16, 19, I will give you keys, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And, that, and Jesus says these words to Peter because Peter was the first to acknowledge that Jesus was the Messiah. And now Jesus, to everyone who proclaims Jesus as his Messiah, Lord and Savior, is given keys to the kingdom of heaven. We're given the authority to bind and loose, to release people from Satan's influence and to release God's power into a person's life. And so why aren't we experiencing more people being uh, loosed from spiritual bo uh, bondage and binded uh, to the love of God? Well, as I have already said, I think it's because we have not been disciplined in the power of praying together. We think we can do it on our own. And Jesus is saying, no, you can't. The promises are accessed through prayer together. You know, I met with uh, someone in my office. This was, the example I'm thinking of was several years ago, and this example has been repeated do dozens of times before and after. But uh, sitting with someone describing how they're struggling with sin in their life and they just can't seem to get over it. And this particular person was struggling with, and he called it an addiction, addiction to lust and pornography. And we talked uh, for a while and he brought the sin to light and then we began to uh, meet together regularly and pray. And I can say that today this brother in the faith has had tremendous amount of victory over the sin. As any addict would, the first thing you do in an AA meeting is you say, I'm so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. We're never completely over addiction, but this person has tremendous victory. And why? It was because they were able to uh, come together and, and the two of us together began to pray and he has victory. And I, so I think of that as a type of bondage that has been broken. You know, we're going out on Thursday nights to, to seek to evangelize and to um, invite people to come to church because we believe in the power of together. And, and some homes that we knock on, you can just almost sense a, a good spirit when you knock on the home. Have you ever done that? You, 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 you approach a home and you're just like, wow. And you, and you get a sense it's God's spirit. There's been times where we've knocked on homes and we find the person there that's living there is a follower of Jesus and there's a wonderful spirit. But then there's also times where we've knocked on homes and these, it's the exact opposite feeling. There's a, there's a sense of heaviness and darkness and weightiness in, those, in that place. And you, get to, and you get a sense that there's a spiritual bondage that Satan has a stronghold, a foothold in that home. And so, we've, so as we leave the home, we pray together. And we, but we, we know that really the power comes when, when that person joins in the prayer. But there are many kinds of spiritual bondage that we could be talking about here. In fact, I want to just list seven on the screen, and I'll run through these rapid fire. 
Um, but uh, I think this is helpful for us. The first is unbelief. There is a bondage to unbelief. There are some that we know, and maybe we're even in that camp ourselves, where we, ju- where, where we just can't believe. Like something is holding us back that needs to be released. We think of those that are not in the family of God, that are not saved. They're bound by their unbelief. Then we think of sinful addictions, and we've talked about that. It's like that habitual temptation and sin just has a hold on our lives, and we can't be released of it. That's a spiritual bondage, a sinful addiction. Then there is the influence, then there is the devil's influence. That's a bondage, kind of like what I talk about in the homes, that that there is influence. Those that are not believers can be demon-possessed, but even those that are believers can be influenced by Satan. And they're, they're, Satan's got a foothold that needs to be loosed. Then there's the idea of idolatry. That's another kind of spiritual uh, bondage. It's, it's different than the sinful addictions. Idolatry, an idol can be in, a, in and of itself a good thing, like family and... Uh, hobbies and work and like Dawson's involved in sports. I see so many parents that have youth sports as an idol. Uh, uh, but, the, uh, but it becomes a problem. All these good things become a problem when they begin to take a hold of our hearts in which we will serve them over serving someone else. It's, it's a bondage. It's a, a hold on our hearts. Persistent guilt. The feeling of guilt over sin that you've confessed so many times, but you just don't feel uh, the forgiveness of it. It's like it's got a hold on your heart or your mind. It's persistent guilt that we need to be released of. And then there is harbored unforgiveness. And sometimes we hang on to unforgiveness where we just won't release forgiveness towards another person. And we refuse to uh, 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 forgive, and it gets a grip on us until it can destroy that relationship with the person. And then the last one I'll mention I call identity theft, where you're bound to a false way of thinking about yourself. You think of yourself as ugly or stupid or you can't do something, and you fill in the blank. But the truth is you're loved and you're a child of God, but somehow this false way of thinking has got a hold on your heart or your mind. You've got to be released of that. Now, none of these things, none of these things on this list are easy. In fact, all of them are huge and overwhelming. But in my experience, sometimes the tiniest of knots are the ones that are hardest to get rid of. How many of you have ever got a knot in your necklace or or your wife's necklace? I mean, I'm talking about the little necklaces that are like razor thin, and somehow it gets twisted up, and you get a knot in that necklace. And I will get that necklace in the palm of my hand. I'm just trying to break that knot free, and it's so frustrating. You're like, come on, release! And, uh, and you, you pick at it, and you pull at it, and you, and you push on it, and eventually, hopefully, you, you make a little way, and the knot re- begins to loosen, and eventually it can be released. Well, spiritual knots are like that. They can get uh, so tight, and it can be so frustrating sometimes. We pick at it, and we push at it, and we pray about it, and we keep going. But here is my, here's the point. We have to keep working at it. 
little increments at a time, having those hard conversations, because again, we can't keep this to ourselves, that eventually lead to those powerful prayers. And that's when the little knots that are actually big knots begin to be unraveled. The most common place that I've heard uh, this verse where two or three gather together in my name and there I am with them, the, most, the time when that's quoted the most is at disappointing church meetings. When, <laughs> right? When, when you expect a lot of people and only two or three show up and, you, and somebody tries to comfort the group by saying, well, we're only two or three gathered. Jesus is there with them. And that's true. But I hope we don't use that uh, verse out of a feeling of weakness. Oh, only two or three gathered. No, th this is a verse of strength. Not a verse to say, oh, woe is us. Uh, we only got two or three. No, we come before the Lord and we say, uh, God, thank you. that we got two or three here together because... It's not in our own strength, but you're going to join with us. Jesus comes and attends us, and he is the star witness. Two people become three because Jesus is there. Three people become four because Jesus uh, joins with them. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace? thrown into the fiery furnace, and somebody looks in and says, hey, I thought we only threw three in there. There looks to be like four walking around, and the fourth looks like uh, a son of the gods. And it was Jesus himself walking uh, with these three brothers. And the same thing happens to us when we enter into the ministry of binding and loosing. Three come together, and Jesus is all of a sudden walking with us in the fiery furnace. And he comes alongside of us and we pray in his name, which means his power and his authority and his presence are there with us. Jesus jumps right into the prayer with us and he's the one that prays before God for spiritual bonds to be broken. So now let me close in with, this, with a few application questions. And I encourage you to take these to heart. Are you stuck in some sort of spiritual bondage? If there's, a, there's something that you're wrestling with that you just can't uh, break free of, my, our challenge from Jesus is to pray with another person. And the promise is verse 19. Truly I tell you, if two of, truly I tell that, tell that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Question number two, is someone you know that you want to be saved, bound by their unbelief and in Satan's grasp? Again, the charge from Jesus is to pray with another person about it. And the promise is Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And then lastly, do you or someone you know, are they held back spiritually, bound by guilt or by identi identity theft? And the charge is to
to pray with another person. And the promise is, again, truly I tell you that, it, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Like these spiritual knots are difficult. They're li like little knots on a necklace. But never underestimate the promise of this passage. That binding and loosing uh, spiritual knots and spiritual bondage really can be made loose when we pray together in Jesus' name, together in Jesus' name, in his presence, power, and authority. You see, this is the power of praying together. Okay, I have one more application for today's message. And that is that starting next week, we're going to have a new ministry in the church. Uh, starting next week, every Sunday, we are going to have three or four individuals or couples at the front of the church at the end of the service. They'll come and stand before us at the end of the sermon, and uh, they'll be available during the last song, and then for the first ten minutes after the service concludes. And these individuals are going to be called prayer counselors. And so every Sunday, you can come and receive prayer with these one or two people. And you know if you pray with that person, you got two. You pray with that couple, you got three. And all of a sudden, you qualify for Jesus' presence with you. And so this is a wonderful opportunity. I've been recruiting people that be prayer counselors, and uh, we've got a good group. If you really sense on your heart, God wants me to pray for people like this, our training is going to be 15 minutes after the service, right here in the front of the sanctuary. You stay. But one of the people I talked to that agreed to serve here said, yeah, I, I'd love to be a part of that ministry. My coworker at, uh, at uh, the school I work at, he... Uh, he has that type of ministry at his church, and he says, I go up almost every week because it's free prayer. And that's how I want us to think about this. What an opportunity. You know, sometimes we lay out these applications uh, of, together. Like last week, I was talk we talked about trusting God together. And yet, I, and yet I, I want to make it as easy as possible. The application is much broader than just prayer counselors. But at least this is a, as easy of an application as possible. Every week you got somebody you know who wants to pray with you and wants to trust God with you. And so I encourage you, come forward. I know this is a little bit outside of the comfort zone of our church. In fact, there may be Sundays where nobody comes forward. But I just want to challenge us. We need to be more vulnerable. We need to be willing to admit when we need prayer. We need to come forward and some way, weeks you maybe come forward and say, I just need you to pray with, pray for me. And, and the person will be like, what do you want me to pray for? I don't know. I just sense God wants me to come and receive prayer. And they would love just to pour out all of God's blessings upon you and your family. And so I think this is an important ministry of the church. And I hope that this begins to form us to be able to pray together regularly and that it is a blessing for us that we can be released. It's a ministry of binding and loosing where two or three come together in Jesus' name.
So this concludes the series, The Power of Together. And I hope that as we have talked about these things, that we've been encouraged to value and to love our brothers and sisters more. Because we really can't do it on our own. Like we can try, and many are, many forsake the gathering together. And uh, I just encourage us to break out of that and to recognize God's given us a wonderful gift in the church and in the family of God and to love the power of being together. So let's just be willing to love each other and to be vulnerable, and especially when you feel like you're struggling. That's the time to lean in. Too often have I seen people begin to struggle emotionally or spiritually, and they transition out. Go the opposite direction and get into the community of God because that's when God can move in unique ways and strengthen us and encourage us in our hearts. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the promise of this passage, the promise of binding and loosing. And God, I just feel like this is something we need to hear because we don't really understand it too well. God, we're trying to witness and, 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 uh, and uh, pray for our unsaved family members and friends. And we're trying to do it just on our own. Like, there's nothing wrong with praying for it on our own, but God, help us to access the power of two and three coming together. We're trying to have victory over these really difficult spiritual knots in our lives. And we're trying to do it on our own, and we're missing a golden opportunity Help us to recognize your teaching that there is the power of praying together. And so God, help us to lean into this uh, opportunity, this responsibility that we might experience more of your power and authority and presence in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.